listening to The Cooler Ring, a podcast made for manufacturing marketers. Here are Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Welcome to The Cooler Ring, a podcast for manufacturing marketers brought to you by Cooler Partners. My name is Jeff White and joining me today is Carmen Perry. Carmen, how are you doing, sir? I am intimidated, Jeff. And you? <laughs> <laughs> that 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 doesn't happen often. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm not a maven of manufacturing. I don't know if you are. I'm not. I'm definitely not. And here we are. I mean, we're going to try to, as amateur hacks, pull this off when we've got a pro on the show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not know. often that we get to interview other podcast hosts. And, you know, it is sometimes kind of, uh, you're right, it's, it's a little intimidating. It always does remind me of the old Web 2.0 days where everybody talked about, uh, everybody had a blog that, that blogged about blogging. <laughs> I think that was how we met. If I <laughs> no, was like, talking about that at a, at a tweet up. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. Yes, those were as uh, sexy fun as everybody can imagine by the name. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the early days of social media. But uh, yeah, we've got a great guest today, um, Megan Zimba. She's a technical writer and the host of the Mavens of Manufacturing podcast. Welcome to the Cooler Ring, Megan. Thank you for having me. How are you? Doing great. Really nice to be here with you. Yeah, it's awesome to have you on the show. Thanks. I'm really excited to have that conversation. I don't, um, well, I have been recently getting interviewed a lot lately, which has been weird because usually I'm the one in the interviewer seat interviewing other people. So it's been weird getting invited to talk about my story because I like sharing other people's stories. So it's kind of flipped around. We're, we're kind of the same way, yeah. you know. Every once in a while, someone asks us to speak, but uh, you know, most of the time, we're in the interviewer's chair. <laughs> How are you doing with this newfound celebrity, Megan? Um, not very well, actually. Uh, I went to IMTS a couple weeks ago in Chicago, and I was out with a friend um, on one of the days, and a girl came up to me and she's like, "Oh, you're Megan the Maven," and I'm like, "No, I'm not." Which I had my Maven gear, my shirt on. And my friend kind of looked at me and he's like, why did you lie to that girl? And I'm like, I kind of freaked out. I didn't know what to do. Like, that's not <laughs> normal uh, for me, for people to just come up to me and know who I am. And he just started laughing at me. And I'm like, now I feel bad because she's going to see me um, on my videos and stuff and be like, that girl lied to me. Why did she do that? <laughs> well, hopefully, hopefully they find this podcast and they get the apology. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is a rather circuitous route to, to it, though. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I kind of reminded, I don't know if there's a Simpsons or a Family Guy episode where they were in the uh, Witness Protection Program, but they had like t shirts that were proud members of the Witness Protection Program, which kind That's of messed it up. the first thing they give you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Here, put this on. <laughs> yes, well, the t shirt is a big giveaway. Yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. But I, I think it's interesting, though, you know, because you've, you've managed to build a profile for yourself, and uh, like you say it's a bit of a unexpected celebrity you know i think gary yeah. vaynerchuk call himself a triple z celebrity you know now now we might be closer to the x's or something trying kind of to moving up. Yeah, yeah trying to work <laughs> way up so you know that's where we all have to start but yeah. uh, tell us about your journey um to becoming a podcast host and what made you decide to start this show yeah so i wasn't i didn't have any long-term plans or goals to be a podcast host i actually was never interested in podcasting before. Um, I knew a lot of people that like to listen to podcasts while they were taking long drives. And a lot of my friends who are travelers love them. And I just never, I have a short attention span. So if I'm in the car, I like to listen to music because then I can sort of zone out 
and not have to pay attention. And I, I feel like podcasts weren't for me because I would zone out part of that conversation. Um, so I never really listened to them or anything. But um, I'm a technical writer. I've been writing for industrial manufacturing since 2008 and um, worked with a trade publication for most of my career, tried higher education, got completely bored out of my mind. So then I came back to the sector and I worked for several different companies helping build their brand narrative and creating some of their content, whether it was video scripts, blog articles, tech papers, white papers, case studies, um, social media text. Um, I, I basically created all of that content for them. And then um, right before the pandemic hit, I asked my husband, I was like, hey, I want to be home more with our kids. So do you care if I start my own writing business? And he's like, go for it. You know, so I started Z-Ink Solutions and then um, he actually ended up losing his job. So I had to go back to corporate life. And I was actually a pandemic hire for a photochemical etching company, which was really fascinating to me because I never even knew that process existed. And um the pandemic came, we were all isolated, and I noticed all of these conversations happening on LinkedIn around manufacturing and engineering. And the girls that I met through my trade publication days, none of them were part of these conversations. And I'm like, wow, they're really well known in their niche. Why aren't they taking part in this conversation or that conversation? So I would reach out to the host and um, tell them, hey, you know, we we have some stuff going on. Um, I know these girls that can add to this conversation, you should reach out to them. And they were like, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do that. And they never did. So I was like, well, screw it. I'll just start my own thing. So I talked to a friend of mine and I was like, Hey, I have this idea running around in my head. I don't know what I'm doing though. I've never done a podcast. I've never really listened to a podcast. And he's like, it's really simple. If you have StreamYard or like restream he's like there's a bunch of tools that you can do so he's like reach out to your linkedin audience see if there's any interest if there is come back to me and i'll teach you how to do all this stuff so i made an announcement on linkedin and i was like hey i'm looking for women who are in manufacturing and engineering that want to share their story i'm starting this new podcast called uh, mavens and manufacturing it's actually going to be a video broadcast so if you're interested, please reach out to me. And I had like 30 women reach out to me wanting to share their story. So I went back to my friend and I'm like, okay, now you really got to help me because I have no idea what I'm doing. So he taught me how to like start uh, a StreamYard uh, account and how to connect it with YouTube and all that stuff. So I'm terrible at video editing. I, uh, that's not my forte. So um, the StreamYard platform really helped me be able to just have a template where I have an intro video, I can hit live, hit the intro video, take that out, do the conversation, and then um, everything just gets automatically uploaded to YouTube when the conversation's done. So there's very little editing that I do. Um, for the podcast portion of it though, I do have help. Um, I'm actually looking for someone new because um, the person that I initially hired kind of came into some hard times or whatever. So um, I need to, find someone new to help me edit audio and stuff because I have no idea what I'm doing there so I, I outsource that stuff but yeah it's it was just something I wanted to do for fun and then it just unexpectedly 
blew up and um, it's been inspiring a lot of women and men. Um, so a lot of men have gotten behind it and they advocate for it now, which is really, really awesome because we have the skills gap going on in the sector and we need all hands on deck to start closing that and getting the next generation really excited about engineering and manufacturing. So it's been a crazy and fun, fun experience. It's just, I was not expecting a lot of people to come up to me at IMTS and say, hey, it's Megan. And I'm like, what is going on here? So <laughs> I, I'm kind of suffering from this imposter syndrome, but it's, I think I'm, I'll get better as the time goes on. So whoever that girl was that said hi to me, I'm really sorry. Completely caught me off guard. <laughs> so, so we have the apology. Uh, we, we also, you know, if you do audio editing, reach out to Megan. So we're going <laughs> to yes, add please. for the video. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just, um, I, I guess I'll preface the rest of what I'm going to say in this show because I just never know when I'm going to offend large swaths of people. <laughs> oh, God, here we go. Well, no, but uh, look, I mean, we live in a very politically charged world. And anytime you're talking about, you know, gender the roles equality or the lack thereof etc can my goodness i mean there's a bunch of people out there that'll just get fired up think that you're trying to shove wokeism down their throat or whatever and i guess that's not what i'm about or trying to do but at the same time it was really striking to me making as you went through that and you're like yeah i kept reaching out to these people and say here's some really smart women that really know their well i'm going to say niche rather than niche just to drive you crazy but they really know their niche and but they just wouldn't get return phone calls yeah. you know and it's uh i i think that is one of the things in this in the industrial sector that people need to come to terms with is that there the gendered nature of it mm. is um it's still there oh absolutely my goodness yeah. um and and you see it kind of come out in very kind of in different ways yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 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 i don't know if I had a question there so much as a it's commentary a, yeah yeah it's a compelling kind of uh i'm just like really really they wouldn't even phone them back yeah like anyway. i mean the uh, you know, not gonna lie. Most of the best guests we've had on this show have been women. Mm. <laughs> you know, like, that's true. Really leading the sector. Mm. So it's it's interesting that it's taken your show to kind of bring some of those uh, some of those voices to life. How how did you find those initial interviews, and and what did you talk about? So I just and, and again initially I just made an announcement, and I had around thirty people reach out to me and say, yes, I want to share my story. So um, after that initial group um, came to me, I had pre-briefings with them where I would talk to them for like 15 to 30 minutes, get to know their story a little bit better. And I don't like scripted conversations. Um, I really love natural reactions and authenticity. So a lot of women were, um, a lot of them were kind of scared to do the live recording. They wanted to do pre-recording so that if they messed up something, they could edit it out. But I really want to show the human side of the people in this sector, because that's what drives the passion and the inspiration, I believe. So um, once I kind of talked them off the ledge of doing a pre-recording, um, it, they just felt comfortable and it was a natural conversation, but we, we've, I've talked to women. So, um, there's an organization called women in manufacturing. I talked to the founder of that company. Um, I've talked to a lot of CEOs, 
women on the shop floor, welders, CNC machinists. I've even talked to students and um, apprenticeship or apprentices um, and interns. So I've talked to a variety of different ages and career type roles. And that's what I, my intention is. I want to show the next generation that this isn't a dirty, dark, dangerous, dull place to work in anymore. Like you still have dull stuff. You still have dangerous stuff. You, you have dirty and dark stuff. But there's a lot more happening now with all of the advancements in technology. So necessarily have to be good at math and science either to have a part in this sector. You can be a writer like myself. Um, you can be someone who's really good at sales and um, connecting with with other people. You cannot know anything about engineering and manufacturing and go to a tech school, get an apprenticeship and learn how to see and see machine and program the machine and do all that stuff fairly quickly and not get into a bunch of like debt. So I want to show the broad range of opportunities with engineering and manufacturing. Um, I had, you know, a woman who's from an additive manufacturing company and she was talking about a project where they actually printed out a hull of like a submarine, like a mini submarine. Um, I've talked to a, an owner of a big crane company. Um, I'm, I'm trying to get another woman. She's made actual steel toe fashion boots and fashion shoes for women who have to walk on um, shop floors all the time. And she's like, anything that I had to wear was so bulky and not fitting and it wasn't fashionable for me. And she's like, why do I have to look like this big bulky person walking on the shop floor? Like, why can't I maintain my femininity? So she started a shoe company and I'm trying to get her on um, to talk about what inspired her to start the shoe company. So it's a it's a wide range of different types of roles and personalities and um, because I don't feel like you have to be a certain type of person to be in engineering and manufacturing. I think you can just be who you are and have a passion for it and you can find a place within the sector because it's so broad. I think that's just an incredibly important message. I mean, um, you know, you said earlier about the, you know, the kind of little foray that you did into post-secondary education, right? You're like, oh, I was bored out of my mind and I needed to come back to industrial. <laughs> and I just want to like kind of, can we just replay that clip over and over and over again? Because there's so many people, you know, the, the, the especially, you know, in, in marketing communications, et cetera, there would be a tendency to think, oh, well, university space would at least be more interesting then. Mm. And it's like, no, no, actually, and and and, and I, I couldn't agree more with you around the, the kind of image of um, industrial slash manufacturing being one of kind of dirty, dingy, gritty factory floors, et cetera. And, and well, that's just not the reality of the day. The reality is that most of that is incredibly high tech. There's more technology driving uh, industrial manufacturing than there is mm -hmm. most other sectors. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and it's a you're, I think the message couldn't be more important right now. As I said, that that this isn't just a place for people who want to uh, get their hands dirty in a bunch of grease on the shop floor because mm. that's just not reality. No, and I think it's interesting too. You know, that this idea of you know the woman you're talking about who's looking to create shoes with more femininity and fashion, 
you know, in a lot of in a lot of cases, you know, women just aren't seeing themselves in manufacturing spaces because they've kind of been, you know, there's they're so masculine, just just everything about them just kind of screams that. And, and you know, there isn't really an opportunity to to express yourself in, in the way that you might want to. So it's interesting to consider, you know, how you kind of go down that road. Well, and there are some women who are really feminine in this sector and they get called booth bunny or booth babe, or they're not smart enough, or they're just, you know, for the look factor. And that's not the case either. Like, it's okay to just be who you are as a person and have the, the brains to, to do hands-on stuff. I know a ton of women in automation right now they didn't know about each other because they were spread out and LinkedIn really helped with um, one individual. Her name is Alicia uh, Gillipin. She's, she's a PLC um, systems integrator. I think I said that right. Alicia, if I didn't, I'm sorry, but um, she, she documents her journey um, going to different places and helping them fix whatever automation problem that they're having and she's like, she decided that she wanted to start this group because she knew other women in the field having like issues going on and how do I troubleshoot this? What tool is best for this application? So she put this group together and everyone in the group was so thankful for her because they were like, we don't have women in this area, a lot of women to talk about this stuff. And if we talk to a guy, it's kind of like this condescending tone or whatever. And we know what we're doing. We know what we're talking about. So she built this group and it's just cool to see their conversations and their interactions because they're building each other up and you can see their confidence increase. So they're, they're totally fine going into an environment, being the only girl and saying, no, I know what I'm doing. This is how we fix this problem. Let me show you how to do it. So it's really building a, a, a great um, tribe of leaders in engineering and manufacturing that we desperately need right now because we have so many roles that are going to be vacant over the next five to 10 years. We really need to start closing that and bringing, you know, women who are just coming in and allowing them to grow and climb up the ladder. I think that's going to help a lot as well, too. So I'm not like trying to push men out of this sector, not at all by any means. Um, a lot of my mentors who've helped me, you know, grow within this sector have been men. And I'm so appreciative of them. And we still need the men in this sector to be in the sector. We need them to mentor other people in the next generation. And we still need their knowledge and we still need their hands-on experience. We still need them. And we need other men to come join as well, too. So I'm not trying to, like, push guys out of the sector because that wouldn't help us at all. That would just make the problem worse. I'm, I'm trying to bring everybody together but at the same time, I'm trying to empower women as well, too, because I've talked to girls, students in high school, and they said what you said. I don't see myself in this sector because everywhere I look, there's guys. And in my classes, I'm one of four girls out of 35 students for this VOTEC program. So the girls are kind of feeling isolated and left out. And, and, and those ones that are, you know, uh, find a way to to um I, I guess in some ways have 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 the have the courage to be the person that has to stand up for themselves in that room i mean it, it's wonderful that they exist and it's terrible that we 
depend on them. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's yeah. terrible that that's what it takes in some way. Um, and, and it's interesting. I mean, I, I, I hear what you're saying about the skills, uh, the, you know, the skills gap and worker shortage, et cetera. And I, you know, that's, that couldn't, couldn't be more true. And, uh, but you know, I, and I, I'm, I'm sure I'm preaching to the choir here, but you know, it just seems to me that the other side of this is it isn't just because we need more people in manufacturing and now we ought to let the women play. It's like, how, how, how about, how about um, the, the, just the fact that um, it, it will make what we do uh, richer and better, <laughs> and uh, when we're when we're no longer uh, just um, just one gender playing this game, like that, that's what it seems like to me is the real uh, missing piece. And when I talk to, it's interesting when, it, when, it, when we've interviewed, um, uh, I think of the many women we've interviewed on this podcast, a few stand out of some of the conversations that we've had that we, when we weren't pressing record, mm-hmm. uh, about, you know, they, they, I guess they talk about the, there's a, there's a lot of, uh, image about manufacturing, particularly in the U S about it being very male dominated. It's very patriotic. It's very like the, that notion of build America and and patriotic and patriarchal. Well, yeah, yeah. and and uh, you know, I had a, a number of um, leading women in manufacturing push back on that and say it just isn't reality. We will not be like we will not be reflooding factory floors with droves and droves of of factory men uh, mm-hmm. coming to work like the nineteen fifties where. You know, we're, we're, we're heading into a different place. It's always been to me, it's been the women that we've interviewed on the podcast that see manufacturing in a in a bigger ecosystem and they, they understand where it's going. They understand it will be more diverse. They mm-hmm. understand it will be more global and what that all really means. And it seems to me the ones that have uh, tried to treat it like the way it's always been has always been the dudes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'm beating up on guys a little bit, but I feel like as a white guy, I can beat up on them a bit. <laughs> yeah, as a middle-aged white guy with a podcast, you mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as a middle-aged white guy with a podcast, I should be run over in the street, probably. <laughs> yeah. uh, what one of the things that you were talking about there, Megan, um, was around getting uh, you know younger women and girls interested in the space. What what do you think maybe needs to be done? kind of in the education system, whether it's down into, you know, secondary school and or maybe even younger to, to get people interested in this space, because it's not necessarily presented as a, as a career option to anyone, but especially to, to girls. Um, it's, it's really not. And I think more and more people are starting to realize that we made a huge mistake putting Votech programs on the back burner. Um, they're always offered as an elective in most school communities, or they're completely just diminished because they want to allocate their budget towards something else. Um, some schools are really very sports focused. So um, a lot of the athletes get the attention that they need because they're trying to make these professional athletes from some of their kids in, which is, you know, to each their own. But um for example, like not every like black guy in high school wants to be a basketball player. Like that's one stereotype that I want to like crunch right now. And I say this because I met um, a gentleman at IMTS 
I actually met him before IMTS, but he's um, in the Air Force. He's doing some great work with the Inconel in additive manufacturing. And I was introduced to him by Andrew Crow, who I do a lot of collaboration with. And Andrew's really on this mission to diversify the sector, not just with women, but with black and brown individuals as well. And kids who come from lower income communities that don't necessarily have access or resources to some of these advanced technologies or advanced education because of the communities that they're in. Um, I didn't know, like I, I rarely see in my area any black engineers or brown engineers. I rarely see them. And it's just because of the community that I'm in. Um, there's a lot of great organizations. Um, I did interview one woman, she started Get Girls Going. It's a, a black nonprofit organization that helps black women develop entrepreneur um, skills and leadership skills. And then I also interviewed another woman in um, Texas. She started a group called Black Girls Do Engineer. And she said, she's like, I never felt comfortable because I was the only woman most of the time and I was the only black woman most of the time. And she's like, my main mentor was an old white guy. Like he saw the potential that I had and was like, you do things a little bit differently. So um, we definitely need to rethink how we're presenting Votech opportunities. It's not for the kids who aren't as intelligent as the kids that go to high school or to universities. It's not just for, you know, quote unquote, the dumb kids like that that we need to get out of everybody's thought process. Um, we need to stop having them as an elective because it's not just the hands-on experience that's important, but it's also the soft skills that come with them that are important. So when kids are in these types of programs, they're learning how to make things with their hands, yes, but they're learning how to work together. They're learning how to communicate. They're learning how to problem solve. They're learning how to critically think you know, how to put something together as a whole. So there's that spatial and visual component as well to it. There's just so many different types of soft skills involved with making something with your hand and designing it, putting it together, because designing and manufacturing are two separate things. And just because you design something doesn't necessarily mean you can manufacture it. So there's a lot of different skills involved with it. And I think we need to start exposing kids at a younger age starting at the elementary level. So um, an article came out, um, I believe it was from Ohio, where they were teaching kindergartners how to CNC machine using color. So whatever they were doing on the machine, they were having it color coded so that as they were teaching the kids how to color, they were picking out the colors, but it happened to be on this like small CNC machine so that the kids could start learning what CNC machining was. Um, there's several uh, organizations that are creating activity books. So like um, one is in uh, Pennsylvania, they create this activity book to kind of like show the different career opportunities, not just within manufacturing and engineering, but like a police officer, a bank clerk. Um, so they have one page where it's like about supply chain and then they have another page that the kids can start coloring. So it's not necessarily like explaining every little detail to a five-year-old, but it's showing them images, letting them like 
figure it out with their their sight and their hands and then you know kind of guiding them along the rest of their school career so you don't have to like explain it detail by detail when they're five just show them it have them mess around with it have them because i have i have a three and a four-year-old my three-year-old is obsessed with throwing things on the ground and everybody's like well what the hell is he doing he wants to break it open because he wants to see what's inside. So he'll throw something on the ground, it will break, and then he'll try to put it together. So just allowing them to be curious and experiment, I think is really important and just supporting that as they grow up. Um, one of the issues that little girls are having is by the time they hit sixth or seventh grade, they start to pull back with their confidence and if they don't have affirmation from a mentor or their friend group, they're not going to pursue what they really like. They're going to kind of get inside themselves, I guess you could say. And this is, this has been proven time and time again. So how can we keep their confidence up when they hit that vital age and like keep them going? How can we keep them playing with things that involve engineering design and manufacturing? How, how do we change that whole thing? And, I, I really believe that community leaders need to reconnect with their educational institutions that exist within their community and come up with a plan. And some communities are doing that right now, like um, where I grew up, they actually switched their curriculum to academic focused. So they have different academies in their high school. So if you're interested in like health science, they have an academy for that. If you're interested in engineering and manufacturing, they have academy for that and they focus their coursework on the academy that they're in. So I think we need to start seeing more of that and just start like training them a little bit younger and then supporting that training as they get through high school and then supporting them even after high school because a lot of kids just don't know any of this stuff exists. I talked to four students at IMTS and um, I, because I got a bus sponsored um, from the high school I graduated from and I talked to four kids from the high school and they were like, we had no idea any of this was even available to us. We had no idea that this existed. So how are they going to pursue a career if they don't even know it exists? So we got to start doing a better job by exposing them and bringing awareness to these different types of opportunities and then figuring out, OK, how do we mentor them? How do we get them comfortable so that when they are done with high school, they can do interviews, they can communicate with people. They, they know how to ask questions. They know how to pick which job they want to do. How do we give them those skills as well, too? Because sometimes we just throw them to the wolves and say, good luck. Good luck. You know, have at it. Have at it. And that's not the best for, for a lot of people. That's what happened to me, and I almost screwed up my life. <laughs> my, mom, my mom and my dad were like, just go to college. You'll be fine. And I was like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I'm curious because you detailed a, a number of Know, in some ways, I think pretty positive kind of, um, you know, things that are that, that are ind- indicating that we're heading in the right direction, albeit maybe more slowly than anyone would like. I guess, um, you know, you've been a, a technical writer in this space for an awfully long time, a female technical writer in a male-dominated world. Uh, and and uh, so I, I'm curious, ha- have you personally experienced... Um, 
some significant change along the way? Do you feel like we're getting better? Are you more hopeful for where we're going now? Or are you like, eh, I'm still not so sure? Yeah, I mean, I think as long as we keep having conversations around it and not ignoring the negativity that happens. Um, so I, when I first started out, the very first trade show that I went to, my boss was like, okay, I need you to maintain your professionalism, your professionalism when you get on the, the trade show floor. And I was like, what the heck are you talking about? And when I walked in, I think I was one of five women total in that during that time. So this is back in 2008. And the, the stairs, the comments, uh, the side, like, Everything that happened to me made me feel really like gross. And I was just like, oh, this is what he's talking about. Okay. I don't see that as much anymore at some of the trade shows that I go to. I, I feel like there is a respect now and um, women aren't just gawked at anymore. Sure, there's still some companies who put women in their booth for a purpose. Um, hopefully that will start to lessen as the years go. But I'm I'm actually really, really excited because I see a lot of women who are purchasing companies and actually being the business owner of companies. And they never thought they would ever be in this sector. And then it was either like a family member or a friend or something that got them into the sector and they fell in love with it. And they were like, I'm just going to buy the company and run it myself. So I'm, I'm starting to see more and more women take on those leadership roles, which is really refreshing. But I'm also seeing more and more women saying, I can weld that. I want to learn how to weld. I want to do CNC machining. I want to do PLC programming. I want to be a SCADA engineer. So I, I definitely see confidence building up and more women trying different things that they would never have tried before. So I've talked to at least three women who started out in interior design. And then they were pulled in for a, some type of marketing role. They fell in love with the company so much that they decided, well, I'm going to learn this and so I can do this job better. And then um, they ended up buying the company. <clears throat> I uh, also talked to a psychology teacher. She got so bored with psychology um, and she knew that there was this gap. And she's like, I saw a connection between people working with their hands and how they feel about themselves. She's like, so I started learning about welding. She got certified as a welder, and now she uses her psychology skills with her welding students so that, you know, it's it's kind of like a therapy for them, which is really freaking cool. And she's like, yeah, I just got bored being a psychology teacher, so I decided to do welding. <laughs> okay, <laughs> cool. You normally hear about it. Yeah. No, I think, um, I think it's an important message for people to hear. And, yeah. uh, you know, I hope that uh, it can carry forward. And it's just... Uh, now, I think you're doing some very important work here, Meg. Yeah. yeah. And I, I'd love to catch up with you again, maybe in 12 months and see where you're at. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm i looking forward to just continuing to grow Mavens. There's a, a show in March. Um, a lot of women are entering the construction area, which I think is fantastic because that I just, every time I'm driving on the road and I see construction happening, I'm just fascinated how they're able to recreate a route to create that constant flow of traffic, especially in busy areas. And then the stuff that they're doing with bridges and just 
it's fascinating to me that all this stuff is happening and life still goes on. And these people are on the side of the road. More and more women are getting involved in that. So I'm trying to go to um, Con Expo next year in Vegas because I really want to see if there's still a gender disparity there. And I, I want to talk to women who are in that industry and see if maybe there's something I can do there to get the next generation excited about construction too, because we're always going to need it. Like things are always falling apart and we need to, to maintain it. So um, I'm hoping to get more involved with that area. And I'm, I'm really excited to talk to women because I just think that area is fascinating <laughs> and women who do it are pretty cool. We look forward to uh, to watching this unfold. I think it's going to be very fascinating. Yeah. yeah. Thanks so much for joining us today, Megan. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was fun. Very cool. Cheers. Thanks for listening to The Cooler Ring with Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Don't miss a single manufacturing marketing insight. Subscribe now at coolapartners.com slash the cooler ring. That's K-U-L-A partners.com slash the cooler ring.